Welcome back to the Macam in the Middle podcast after the last Sunderland League game of the season. That is because Sunderland have finished inside the playoffs with a 3-0 win away to Preston. Of course, some of the results went for us, some of the results went against us, and I'm sure me and Michael will go through how it felt to be there in oh, the crowd sure when all of it was going on. But like I say, John, we're finishing the playoffs. Um, something which, you know, 15 months ago, if someone said, I'm going to get promoted from League One, I'm going to go straight up, we're going to get finished in the playoffs in the Championship on a nine-game unbeaten run, as it is at the minute as well, you'd have just probably blocked them on Twitter thinking they were on some kind of very heavy drug. Yeah, you would. Um, you know, it's it's been a long, a long road you know, back to this, but to even contemplate that we'd, you know, be anywhere near the playoffs, especially with, you know, the circumstances, I think is the main thing. You know, we know obviously we've lost the strikers, the manager, a lot of bad injuries, um, a lot of players obviously unknown and playing their first first uh, games in senior football. So to do it, you know, to do it under those circumstances is, is just a fantastic thing. And like you say, if someone had said to you, you know, sort of after the 6-0 drubbing at Bolton, which, you know, was probably one of the mm. worst days. Um, I think, like you say, you'd have probably, uh, you'd have probably laughed at them. Um, but, you know, football's a strange thing. And here we are with Sunderland. We don't do things, you know, just coolly and simply. We, you know, we're either an absolute relegation battle or we're, you know, we're we're fighting for the playoffs. And that's the way we do it. And that's that's where we are. And to be fair, it's... Like I say, it's a long time coming and it's it's really, really good time to be a Sunderland fan at the moment. Yeah. And obviously it was that defeat against Bournemouth last season that proved to be the best result of the season last year. Um, and obviously this year there was a similar one again, this time at home against Stoke. We lost 5-1 and we've lost one game since then. Um, of course, there's been a few results since that game that obviously now don't matter. And you look back and think that was actually quite a good result, a good point. But at the time, there was probably a few games where we thought we had dropped points. But to finish in the top six, Michael, with you know a newly promoted team, the first team to do so after getting promoted from League One since I think it was Brentford in the 2014-15 season. I think three of the last four teams that have gone through the playoffs and got promoted have went straight back down the last season. Obviously, look at the other two teams that have got promoted with us, Rotherham and Wigan. Granted, with Wigan, Wigan had a points deduction, but they've went straight back down. Rotherham, you know, pretty much went to the last game or last couple of games to see if they would stay up or not. It's quite, I'd say fitting, but it's it's very not fitting that Sunderland have managed to get the playoffs ultimately on goal difference, which when I tell you that we haven't had a striker for 75% of the season is not the way you'd have expected Sunderland to get playoffs. Definitely not. Um, first and foremost, like you both have said, um, let's, congrat- let's, let's let's say a massive thank you to Bolton fans because that 6-0 defeat ultimately proved to be the best thing that happened to us. Um, and and again, like you said, you both said, if, you, if someone said to me after losing 6-0 at Bolton, we would finish in the playoffs, um, we'd go up through the playoffs in League One, then finish in the playoffs in the Championship without a regular focal point anyway, um, with all the injuries we've had, with Alex Neal going, I'd have said they, they've been smoking some sort of illegal substance and they need rehab or something. But it's mental. I just, I mean, obviously we'll get into the atmosphere as you alluded to in your intro was just insane. But to, to get to, to even come close to getting into the playoffs, to probably finish in the top half, given everything that's happened, would have been an achievement. If we had won three nil at the, um, earlier in the week and that had been the last game, 
and we just missed out on the playoffs. I think people would have been obviously disappointed, but there would have been still been pride there because the club's got pride back in the city again. But to finish in the playoffs with the effort that's been put in, um, and big credit, I mean, obviously for Chris Speakman and Harvey, yes, we know the striker situation, they still should be criticised on that, that's fair. But in general, recruitment's been good. But the uh, big bulk of the credit's got to go to Tony Mowbray and the players because if you look at the adversity that we've had to put up with constantly, I'll just quickly list them off again. Alex Neil going, which at the time was a big blow. Stewart being out for 80% of the season. Sims being out for a couple of months, as you mentioned, then getting recalled. Corey Evans being out for half the season. Dan Ballard being out for more or less a good few months of the season. Danny Bart has been out. Elliot Embleton's been out. Lyndon Gooch, Luke O'Nine, Adji Elise, Dennis Serkin. You know, you could look, you could probably have a starting 11 of players that have been injured at one point this season for a lengthy period of time. So yeah. to get into the top six, take a bow, every one of you. It's been mental. Yeah. And just before we get on to the game, obviously against Preston, which was nervous, we'll get on to that exact atmosphere now, Michael, because it was probably the most stressful game I can at least ever remember. Because um, obviously it's not usual um, to be watching your phone more than to be watching the game that you've travelled two and a half hours and paid a lot of money for. But, you know, especially in that second half and it, even pretty much since the game kicked off, that was what a lot of people were doing because, you know, Sunderland had to win the game, but that win didn't come to anything if results didn't go our way. And, you know, with Millwall going 3-1 up at one point, um, obviously Coventry going 1-0 up, it was... You know, very much a case of just checking your phone. Like I say, when Millwall went 3-1 up, it was looking unlikely. Um, and I think that was just about when Sunderland took the lead, I think it was. Uh, I could be wrong on that. But as soon as Blackburn scored that second goal, there was just this sense in the crowd that, that something is going to happen. There was. And it, 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 was, it, was, it was weird because going into the game, I was trying to play it down in my head and thinking, if we don't get there, so be it, blah, blah, blah. And look, if we don't win the playoffs, so be it. But hopefully we'll just out-football everyone and win them anyway. But regardless, when when, when Millwall were 3-1 up at halftime, I think Borough had equalised not long before halftime as well. So at halftime, when I saw Millwall were 3-1 up, I thought, right, well, me hope is going to turn to the Middlesbrough game in the yeah. hope that they actually attempt to do us a favour and try and beat Coventry, but obviously it didn't happen in the end. But in the end, thankfully, it didn't matter. But I thought it was unlikely. I just couldn't see Millwall throwing that away at home. And obviously, that's some collapse from them, to be fair. But, yeah, I, I wanted to go into the last game with the attitude, just win it, because even if you don't make the playoffs, you always want to win the last game and go into the summer on the, in the back of a yeah. good mood. Um, but all we could do was win. Like Tony Mowbray said, like the players have said, and as cliched as it sounds, just affect your own destiny. Just win the, win the game and hope it's enough. And thankfully, in the end, it was. But I will say them, to quickly not try and get too, ahead too much, but the roar, when there was a massive roar in the crowd, and Josh, you'll know it as well, when Blackburn got that fourth goal and they were winning 4-3. Um, yeah. Because I think when they got to 3-3, we were probably 2-0 up in the game, I think, at that point. I think, I think um, they equalised as we were celebrating the second goal. But they, oh, well, then there you go. That shows, shows drama, doesn't it, for the championship. But yeah, um, even at 3-3, that was enough. But there was still nervousness because obviously Millwall score again, then they're 4-3 up and it's out of our hands again. So when Blackburn scored the fourth with, what, five minutes to go plus added time, there was the sense that, oh, shit, <laughs> we've done it. Like, we've actually done it. Um, and yes, that was one of the best away atmospheres I can think of. Nearly 6,000 Sutherland fans celebrating the playoffs at the end of a mental season. But you're right, the atmosphere was insane. 
both yeah. both when Blackburn went ahead, both when we scored, when Blackburn got their winning goal, and especially at full time. Yeah. So on a game that Sunderland were involved in, John, like I said, it was a must-win game because if if we didn't win, regardless of results elsewhere, we wouldn't have finished where we have. And the first half was. I want to say a nervous first half, and, and it kind of was. But, you know, well, before we get onto the goals, Sunderland had quite a few chances in the game to, you know, have took and taken the lead before we actually did. And thankfully, this isn't a case of talking about a referee decision that ended up costing us playoffs. But how we didn't get a penalty in that first half is quite remarkable, I think. Yeah, it is. Um, like you say, the first half was a bit, <clears throat> so it was sort of a basketball match, wasn't it? It was sort of end-to-end. Preston probably were going to try and come out and be up for it, um, which which I think they did, to be fair. But yeah, the uh, you know we played some really good football in the first half and probably should have been, if we'd have taken our chance, probably two or three nil up if we were you know, being generous. Um, but yeah, the penalty one, the referee's in a great, great position. Um, the only thing I could think of is he thinks Geldhart's um, not in control of the ball. That's the only reason, you know, I, I don't think that's a, a basis for a, for not giving a penalty. I, I, think, I think when I seen it back as well, I think that was the one thing that I think, you know, is he going to get the ball? And I think I've seen it back four or five times. And I don't think anyone can be 100% sure that Geldhart doesn't get to that ball. Because I think there's quite a lot of backspin on it. You know, the ball... There's no one in the world is 100% sure that Gellhart's not going to get on the end of that and stick him in the bottom corner. And I think while there's that doubt as to whether the ball's going to go straight through to the goalkeeper, if you are impeded, it's a foul. And, you know, there's not a there's not a suggestion of a dive or anything because the contact is as clear as, clear as, clear as day. It's a hard one to say that. Yeah, it's, you know, if, if you watch most, most players, you sort of round the goalkeeper. You know, and they they knock it past the keeper nine times out of ten. People don't see, but that, that ball goes out of play. You know, they're not really going to get to it, and that's still a penalty. Yeah. Um, obviously, we we as fans, I think we'd we'd all say it's a stonewall penalty. Um, but obviously, from the referee's point of view, you can see to a degree maybe why he hasn't given it. Not that I'm saying it's not a penalty, because I think it's it is one. And then you're thinking, oh my god, is is this going to ruin our day? But thankfully, you know the the footballing gods that are you know, Diallo, Clark and, and Roberts and, and those types of players did actually uh, make it so that, you know, that decision didn't didn't cost us. You know, it's a bit like the Luco 9 mentality of, you know, it, it's gone, it's done. You know, the, the West Brom penalty is gone, it's done. We can't affect it. Let's let's go again, keep at it. And that's, that's what's ultimately, you know, got us in the playoffs, I think. Yeah. And obviously there's a few other missed chances here and there across the game, but second half, Michael will make a change and... I thought it was a change just because, you know, Mowbray knew we needed to win the game. But it wasn't because Serkin went off injured. Pritchard came on and, to be honest, I have no idea what formation we ended up playing with. But it looked like, to me at least, that Lyndon Gooch was kind of playing as a left-sided centre-half in a back three. Which, you know, was an interesting setup. But as soon as we made that change, the performance just went up tenfold. And we get the first goal approximately 10 minutes into the second half. Um, you know, good build-up play, you know, passing the ball like we know something can in between the lines. And it falls to Diallo, who, you know, if it was his last game, thankfully it isn't, but if it was, there would have been no better way to go out than scoring a goal like that. 
No, and especially when that was the goal that got us going for the win, wasn't it? Um, I mean, you're right. I mean, just to allude what you said there, that's another reason why it sums up why it's mental we're in the playoffs. Lyndon Gooch as a left-sided centre-half. You know, like, who could have written it? Who could have written it? Um, so it was insane. Yeah, but I, I, to be fair, I, I, it did. Sirkin did look like he was hobbling a bit at half-time, and I wasn't surprised that he, that he came on. But I thought that the introduction of Pritchard, like you said to, said to alluded to there, completely changed the game because the first half was edgy. It was a bit nervous. We were allowing Preston a bit too much respect. I think they were getting in our faces. And don't get me wrong, they wanted to, of course, end the season on a high in front of their own fans. But, you know, they obviously had a good chance. The chance with Liam Delap in the first half that should have been 1-0 and thankfully was a turning point and that, that didn't go in. But as soon as Pritchard came on, our intensity went up a notch. Our passing ability went up a notch. Our team cohesion went up a notch. We were able to start to get the ball around and show, show demonstrate basically why we are a better footballing side than Preston. And even at half time, I said to one of my friends in the away end that if we get the first goal, we beat these and possibly beat them comfortably because all Preston were trying to do was just trying to foul everybody and trying to be dirty little gits. So um, to get the first goal meant that we could then have the license to go on like we did. But Pritchard coming on was extremely instrumental in that. Was. And it wasn't long after the first goal went in that Sunderland then doubled their lead. Um, but just to mention before that, I don't know if you actually saw it either on, on the stream or from where you were sat either, Michael, but Pritchard coming over to the away fans after that Diallo goal, frantically trying to ask people what the scores were. Um, it was a very interesting thing to happen, but it was six or seven minutes later that Sunderland doubled the lead and it was Pritchard who got the goal, who should have scored a couple of minutes earlier. Um, I can't remember who it was to play the ball into him, but you know he puts it through the legs of the defender. He's still on goal inside the box. You know, a little just tap into the bottom corner, and it, and it was probably two 0 at that time. And you know, for a good thirty or forty seconds, I thought that was going to be a massive missed opportunity, but it wasn't because we get the ball back up there into the pitch. The ball falls to Pritchard on the left hand side, and you know, I thought it took a deflection at the time, but it didn't. He just reversed the ball into the far corner, John, and two 0 Pretty much job done for Sunderland. Um, and like I say, that was around the same time when Blackburn got the equaliser and it was written in the stars and everything just kind of aligned for this to be the day that everyone wanted it to be. Yes, 100%. Um, I think you've got to praise, you know, Tony Moby. It, it would have been easy to bring off, you know, Sirkin and put on Joe Anderson. Um, but, you know, he's, the, these players are, you know, incredibly versatile you know we, we just spoke about Gooch obviously playing you know all across the back four or three whatever whatever way you want to put it so to put Pritchard on um was you know very very brave and that's the sort of thing that Tony Mowbray um is doing and to be fair I thought Pritchard probably did control the game himself and we know he's got that ability yes just before I think we did score I think he should have scored um but you know the goal is just is you know it is Class, I think I think it's up there with with both the other goals. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's less quality in any way. Just everyone's going the other way, and I'm thinking, oh, he just slips it into Roberts. Everyone's gone the other way. Goalkeeper doesn't even move, and literally just dink into the far corner. It's just how many you know seasons have we just scored scrappy goals, and you know now we just if you sometimes you take for granted the goals we do score because then you go back and you think, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know how good the build-up was. We put sort of 10, 15 passes together and tore a team to shreds. Like, you don't think that until you, you know, you relive them back. Um, yeah, yeah the, the second goal um, obviously kills Preston. 
Um, you know, they were they were given as good as they got, you know, up until that point. But yeah, the second goal obviously kills them. Love Pritchard going to the fans and asking what the scores are, you know, because again, that's none of the youngsters are probably going to do that. You know, the experienced one is going to do that because if they say it's going all right, then we know to control the game and just slow it down. And obviously that's what we saw after after Clark scored. You know, it's just right, control the game. You know, we can we can just see this out and hopefully um, you know, one of one of the other results does actually, you know, eventually go for us. Yeah. And again, at 2 0, Sunderland weren't finished, Michael, because four minutes later, they made it 3 0. Um, and if it wasn't job done at 2 0, it certainly was at 3 0. And again, just a very, very good team goal from Sunderland. Um, I think it starts with Preston on the attack. Hume wins the ball back. Dan Neal, a little flick around the corner, it's into Gelhart. Gelhart through to Clark and. Clark does what he does best and has done it so many times this season, 11 times in the league to be precise. Cut in on his right, even though he's doubled down on by the Preston defenders, put it in the bottom corner and, you know, to score three goals in what I think was 11 minutes away from home, but last game of the season against Preston. Results are, well, a result is somewhat going for you at that time as it was still 3-3 when we scored the third. Just incredible, really. Incredible alignment of fate, really, wasn't it? It just seemed like for once that stars were going well. To be fair, and I think there was a point that Kyle made uh, to refer back to the Watford uh, podcast where he said <laughs> about all the results in recent weeks almost going too well for Sunderland. And that was, I almost kind of, and that, that was the main reason why I was still nervous, even when we went 3 0 up, because I just thought, oh, it's going to be 4 3 Millwall, isn't it? It's just going to come to a head on the last day. Yeah. But, oh, but again, we weren't to know that at the time. All we could do was affect our own performance. And but like John said, even the even even the build the through ball from Gelhart to to Clark I think was sublime. Um, in the build up to his into build up to his goal, and again we just we do seem to take for granted that we do score some good goals. Like even the goal at Reading, um, the non official proper EFL goal of the season, by the way. But it, that goal I didn't appreciate watching that live how good that was. And again, it's the same with a couple of the goals here. We were just so good at keeping the ball, just controlling the tempo, not rushing it, not being guilty of trying to force things that are force opportunities that aren't there. And when we do get the opportunities, we're just so good at cutting teams open. And like you said, what was it? Three goals in twelve minutes, eleven minutes? Yeah. Um, away from home, that's probably one of the. That's probably the first time I've seen Sunderland score three goals away from home in quick succession like that. And like you said, you could tell that even as soon as the second, like John said, the second one started to kill Preston off and the third one by then it was done like from then for the rest of the game it was a training exercise really wasn't it um, and we just didn't have to get out of second gear um, and like I said it's just funny Pritchard trying to get the fans to tell him the score and yet it's funny with Mowbray when he said in his interview after the game he didn't want to know the score but I mean come on even if you didn't want to know the scores on the day it would have been impossible for you not to have found out there was a number of people that would have been checking phones every two minutes yeah. but yes the even the players on the bench I imagine would have been checking them Sorry? Even the players on the bench, I would imagine, were checking them. Probably, yes. I mean, even Mowbray's coaching staff, I think probably Mike Dodds and all that, Michael Proctor would have probably been checking the um, checking scores. But, you know, um, Preston, can I just say, sort your internet signal out, by the way, because I kept when I kept on trying to refresh my phone to look at the scores, it just wasn't having any of it, although that was probably because multiple people were using their phones at the same time. But yeah. still... 6,000, yeah. to be precise. Yeah, well, exactly. That's a small <laughs> amount of people, isn't it? So, but still, it was great, you know. And even again, like like I said to said to you before, the roar when Blackburn scored the third, and 
you, you, you always get some, excuse my language, you get some dickheads in the away end that try to uh, spread the news that someone apparently said in, in, in elsewhere in the away end that Borough had went 2-1 up. Yeah, I don't know whether they were referring to a goal. They well, had there, was there, was, there, was, there was one time as well that someone said Blackburn had scored a fifth as well, which... I, I don't know. I, if I don't ever... get why people do that. Like I don't. I don't know. Unless, unless it got disallowed, I don't know. Then. But now, unless you think it's funny to mess with people's hopes and emotions, then I don't know. But <laughs> it, either way, look, it didn't matter in the end. When the stars did align and Blackburn were winning and we were comfortably keeping the ball, it was just a beautiful atmosphere to be a part of. It was, and because of that, Blackburn in their game scored what ended up being the winning goal in the 86 minute, John, which I think was about three or four minutes before. Um, obviously that time in our game so there was about 10 minutes left in our game when Blackburn scored and you know I've, I've watched it back on Sky just because of what it was and you know the people in the crowd know of the score before anyone at Sky does and the cameras just pant the crowd everyone's celebrating there's just a lot of noise coming from the away end on Sky they announced that Blackburn have scored and that is when people fully realise that you know, Sunderland have done it because obviously Millwall would have had to have scored twice in the last couple of minutes. Um, and yeah, that's it. Everything just kind of aligned for this to be for Sunderland. And, you know, we'll get onto the playoffs shortly. But, you know, if you look at how we got relegated, back-to-back relegations, one of the worst championship seasons anyone could ever imagine. We finish in League One. We get promoted through the playoffs after going on an unbeaten streak of, you know, 14 I think it was in League One end up winning the playoffs haven't finished fifth we get promoted end up finishing top six in the championship one of the best championship seasons people could imagine in terms of enjoyment um finishing above teams on goal difference having not had a striker for you know like I said earlier three quarters of the season everything just seems perfect and possibly too perfect at the minute yeah, it's, it's one of those things, and it? it's like you're driving down a road and all the, you know, all the traffic lights go green. You're thinking, hang on a minute, what's what's happened here? You know, like Michael was saying, you know, the results recently of most of them has just gone gone our way. Um, and, you know, we're, we're almost out of it. And then obviously, you know, Patrick Roberts digs one out in the top corner. Um, and like like you say, things just, you know, Millwall mill a free one up and you're thinking, oh, it's... You know, we we've done our bit. You know, we we need a favour from somewhere, and then, you know, out of nowhere, it just it just happens, and it and it it does make you believe, and it's just meant momentum, you know, and positive momentum, and it's the sort of thing, you know, that, you know, when Leicester won the Premier League, it was just that, well, we'll we'll do it. We've we just got that momentum going. It's very hard to stop once it starts, and that's why you find a lot of teams in the playoffs, the ones going in on form, are the ones who. Who normally do the business, like like Michael was saying, you know, if if we don't win in the playoffs, that's we've we've still got to take our hats off and say, you know, it's been a fantastic season. Um, but you know, if it does happen, it's like While I say, it's here, the, you've it's got to go for it, of, you? While you're here, you've got to go for it. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, like like you say, you can't choose. You know, we're looking at, you know, the way NK Dons finished the season. I think, and you know, they're they're playing in League Two now. You know. Rotherham and, and Wigan were better than us over 46 games in League One, you know, and there, you know, obviously Wigan have gone down and, and Rotherham just about, just about stayed up. And, and obviously then you look where we are, it's, you know, it, it, when you get, we do talk about it, you know, ours, ours is a big ship that need a turn and it's taken a lot of years to turn. But once you get it turned and you get real plans in place, like we say, credit to, you know, the, the people above at the club and the coaches, um, and obviously the players were brought in. If you get it turned, 
like we say, momentum is a really, really hard thing. Either way, you know, if if it's going bad, it can go. We know how bad it can get, and good, it can it can be the best thing in the world. And those those are those are the things that obviously now we're holding on to. You know, uh, would, would Alex Neil have got us in the playoffs? I'm not so sure he would have done. Um, you know, so it, again, is is that you know Mowbray coming in? Is that one of those another moments of, you know, right place, right time, and it's and it's just worked. Just to add on to that very quickly, but one of the points that everyone makes is when, like John said, when momentum's good, it's hard to stop. And it's all. And I remember, um, I think with Sunderland, it's a case of Sunderland is such a big club that if it's if if we start to get going, we're very very difficult to stop. And I think it's okay. The rise has been a bit meteoric in that we finished in the top six when we didn't expect to, and I don't know. I think hardly anyone expected it at the start of the season. But the fact that we've got this momentum, and to be fair, we're not the only team going at the playoffs with momentum. Coventry have lost one in like 16, I think it is. Um, and Luton, have, I think, are unbeaten in 14, although I'd imagine a few of them would have been draws. But still, you know, we're coming at the, it. How often, when was, you know, often it's the team that sneaks in in good form. Sometimes it's the team that sneaks into the playoffs on good form at the back end at the right time that could have the momentum to get promoted. Whether it yeah. happens or not, I don't know, but hopefully it does. Yeah. And obviously a penny for the thoughts of Millwall fans who, you know, 3-1 up have done their job essentially at half-time and end up losing the game. But also for Blackburn fans who have had to come from behind, from 3-1 down, to win the game, to finish behind on goal difference, to a manager that they sacked last season, I think it was, for failing to get them in the playoffs. Very well, yeah. interesting it's, it's... scenario. No, it, it, it's bad, isn't it? Um, but Well, there's two other things to point out. There's two last-minute goals that we can now point to and look at as massive. The last-minute winner against Blackburn on Boxing Day with Ellis Sims and Dennis Serkin's header at Millwall. Because imagine yeah. if all the other results gone the way they did. And uh, Blackburn especially. If they get a point at our place... Patrick Roberts equaliser at Watford as well. Day, I was going to say, if Blackburn get a point at our place on Boxing Day, they're in the playoffs. Sorry, what did you say? The Patrick Roberts one against Watford as well, which but, yeah. at the time seemed like a missed opportunity, but now is now the biggest massive, point of the season, really. It's the point that it's it's a point that's helped get us in there. And yes, we've conceded a few last minute goals like QPR, Bristol City, and Hull at home, but we've scored a fair few crucial goals at at, at, at times. You know, again, Sims last minute injury time winner. Dennis Serkin last ten minutes when he even got concussion, getting us a point at Millwall. Couldn't write that either. And then obviously Patrick Roberts, um, you know, coming uh, um, completed the two uh, come back from two 0 down against Watford. Without that, without that point against Watford, we couldn't have finished in the top six. Yeah. Um. Well, just before we look at the playoffs and the semi final and, and whatnot, three of the best. Start with you, John. Um. I think I'm going to have to go Bereton Diaz first. I thought he was yeah. quality. <laughs> uh, some excellent finishing, and obviously he's a he's a secret Mackham, so. He goes first on my list. Uh, second one, um, I'd probably have to go for Pierre Equa. Bradley Woodman for letting in three goals? <laughs> yeah, Pierre Equa, who was, uh, you know, he's he's just getting better and better. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, I think there's been a lot of um, oh, people writing him off. You know, I think he did he did start off relatively ropey, but that's, that's going to be a given. But yeah, yesterday, uh, sorry, on the, Monday, you know, he was he was fantastic. Um, and then the third one, um, I'll probably go for Pritchard. Uh, I think he could change the game, controlled the game. 
um, and just showed his quality. Just needed to be a bit more of it. Yeah, Michael, for you. Oh, well, should I put Freddie Woodman in this? No, I'll try and be serious. Um, right, third, I would go for Jack Clark. I think Jack Clark rounded off the scoring really, really well, but also he just terrorised their fullbacks and terrorised them all day. I mean, you could put Ahmad Diallo in that list, to be fair, as well. The link-up play in general was just really good, but I'd go Jack Clark personally. Um, just, to add, for... just to add on Jack Clark, um, not many players would attempt an overhead kick, you know, one yard off the, their own goal oh, line. So and especially not a forward player either in the box. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, Jack Clark for me would be third. Second for me would be Pierre Equa. I mean, he, he was a machine in midfield. And look, John's right. He did start a bit ropey and obviously gave away that um, penalty against Hull. But thankfully, in the end, it doesn't matter. But the good thing is Mowbray stuck with him, we've persisted with him. And yes, you'll still have areas of his game he needs to iron out. But as he gets more used to senior football, I think we'll see why West Ham fans wanted him to have a spell in the first team. And for me, the main one was Alex Pritchard, because I just think him coming on was what mm. changed the game and started to get us a few yards further up, start to get pressed a few yards further back and gave us the impetus once we did go ahead. to. And he, I think he was an architect in that. He came on, and and as you said, Josh, earlier, that it's no coincidence he came on at half-time and the performance level just improved massively. So, yeah, that would be my three. Yeah. Well, Luton is the team that we have in the semi-final. Home leg first, away leg second, which is usually not what people prefer. You finish third and fourth, you get the home leg as your as the second leg, technically as the deciding leg, um, which, you know, in theory benefits teams because you know what you have to do you've got the backing of the home crowd and it helps but in terms of Sunderland who I was looking at yesterday I think were fourth in the league table for away form and 16th in the league table for home form having the second leg away from home John benefits Sunderland more than it probably does Luton having it at home yeah probably um it was saying just just before we started you know I'd like to you know, get a good result at home. Um, but obviously then Michael rightly pointed out, you know, we're, to be fair, we're fantastic away from home. Um, so maybe even if it doesn't go as well as we want to um, on Saturday, we know that we can go away and, you know, we, we normally do turn up away from home. Um, so like you say, that I think that could work um, in our favour. I think Luton will probably come up here and just want to sit in, which might, might help us, I think. Um, and then obviously we can go to their place and, um, hopefully there's you know a job to be done and I don't really see any reason why why we can't do it. Yeah, and I think obviously football can happen anywhere, but I think, Michael, as long as Sunderland avoid defeat in the home leg, you know, if you win 2-3-0, you know, fantastic. But as long as you avoid defeat in the home leg, given our home form, given the pressure that's on it, given the fact, like John says there, Luton will probably be aiming just to do the same thing. We'll we'll turn up the stadium light, probably, you know, sit a little bit further back than they would, you know, for a standard away game and mm. certainly for the home leg. If Sunderland avoid defeat at the minimum, it gives them a good chance of doing it away from home at Luton. Obviously, you know, you can look at the past results and I think the last four games between the two clubs have finished one one. Um, you know, You'd going into the playoffs, yeah. Luton, Sunderland I think, are the two informed teams. Obviously, Sunderland unbeaten in nine, Luton unbeaten in 14, I think it is, possibly 16, one of the two. Um, so, you know, realistically, I think, obviously, it's a very bold statement to make, but I think the winner of this possibly goes on to win the playoffs, given the form. And obviously, to an extent, form does go out the window 
in playoffs because it's a lottery. It's a one-off game. You can win the last 20 games. If you don't turn up on that day, your whole season's ended. But momentum is such a important factor in football and especially in the playoffs. It's a powerful factor in football, especially with playoffs. Because essentially the playoffs is just a mini tournament, isn't it? It's a mini knockout tournament to try and get promotion to the next level. And in this case, get promotion to the Premier League. If I was to slightly counter, because like I said, and like John built, built on the point I was making that we are, like you guys said, we're fourth in the table away from home, if that's right, and 16th at home. Um, Luton, I believe, is second away from home. So I'm interested to see how they approach the, the home leg on Saturday. But I do have more of an inkling that they will sit in and try to be frustrating us because, OK, the playoffs is a bigger contest than, say, the league game at the Stadium of Light. Um, but I'm sure that game, Luton mainly sat in to contain us and to sort of stop us playing. And to be fair, that's probably a compliment to Sunderland because of how good we are going forward. Teams are starting to realise, hang on, we have to sit in a bit further here because if we if we press them too much, we can literally just pass it round them and within three passes we're through on goal for them, uh, through on their goal rather. But you're right, momentum is such a big thing. And Luton have obviously a very solid... It's contrasting styles really, isn't it? Because Luton are very direct, physical, aggressive... Um, and are very, very solid on the whole. They know exactly what they're doing. But where, but on the footballing term, if we can play, if the games facilitate playing football, I think we could really beat them. So it's a tough one for me to call. But I think they could beat us over two legs. I could see it. But I also think, if, like you said, if we avoid defeat on Saturday, then I, I would, fa- I'd maybe fancy us at Kenilworth Road to go and get the job done. So for me, a lot of it hinges on the first leg. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, but like John said, we haven't won anywhere near enough home games this season. If we win on Saturday, then I think it's only eight wins in 24 at home, which is still pretty poor. But, you know, what? You know, get a win. We have, you know, just go out in front of the fans and get a victory and hopefully the atmosphere will be rocking at the weekend. Hopefully so. But just as a last point to make, predictions for that home leg, John, which I'd say is on Saturday and I think it's a half-five kick-off as well. You are correct, it is. It is. Yeah, uh, obviously I'll back my, my team all the way. Um, I think it's going to be a real tight, tight game. You know, I don't think first legs are ever, you know, barring an absolute collapse, like us against Lincoln. Um, <laughs> probably go, just maybe nick it 1-0. But like I say every week, I will take a win, whatever way, even, you know, Thierry on Reamble, we'll take one of them, whatever. Just win the game. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting game though, isn't it, Michael? Because like John says there, the first legs are... Not the deciding game of the two, because you can lose 6-0 in the first leg and win 7-0 in the second leg, in theory. Um, But, you know, it is having something to hold on to for the second leg for either team, whether it's a lead or even a one-goal deficit or, you know, a draw. It's it's so important at this stage, because if Luton come here and win 2-0... They know exactly what they're gonna. You know exactly what they're gonna do in the home leg, and that's exactly what they should do. It's exactly what any team should do. They're gonna sit back. They're gonna defend. They're gonna, you know, try and catch us on the break because they know that we have to come out. Because if we don't come out and try and attack them, our season's finished. So yeah. it's it's gonna be a very, I imagine, a very cagey game. A very, you know, I think the first fifteen twenty minutes will be very similar to a few of the games we've had towards the back end of the season, knowing that a win would take us. X, Y, and Z in the table, where you know you start to see them mistakes creeping in, or a bit of 
you know, slobby passing, a bit of, you know, defensive mishaps and whatnot. And that's probably going to be both teams because of how important it is to try and get that advantage in the first leg. It's a psychological thing, isn't it? Because um, mentality is, like we said, how momentum is a powerful factor. I think psycho- psychology is a huge thing um, on this. So it's one where, this is why I think, if, if we, even if we lost by a one-goal deficit, you know, I could see us going to Kenilworth. I'm more confident of the second leg, winning the second leg than I am the first one, which is, which is really, really weird, because usually you would think it would be the other way around. But again, it's one of those where if we don't give anything silly away um, and contain Luton, because I can't imagine, put it this way, if we played Borough, for example, over two games, I think Borough would be more adventurous than what I can see, certainly at the Stadium of Lights, than what I can see Luton being. And... I think it's one where Sunderland, in some senses, would have more joy playing against Borough. But I think we'd struggle to contain their attack over 180 minutes, potentially 210 in penalties. But with Luton, it's a weird one. Um, but yes, I think... If you, I'll, I'll give you a prediction straight away. I think it'll be a 1-1 draw. In fact, I'm going to call it now. 1-1 draw first leg, and I think we'll win 2-1 in the second leg. I've just got that feeling in my gut that we're going to... It'll be very tight. It'll be very cagey. And by the way, I'm going to say that if we win... Uh, at Kenilworth Road, two-one. It'll be like a last, a golden last fifteen minutes because we're Sunderland. We don't do things the easy or conventional way. But yeah, I'm going to be very fascinated to see how tactically both teams set out about the weekend. Because you're right, you don't want to be the team that, or to be the player that makes a mistake, will you? So uh, if I'm right, it'll be all to play for in the second leg. But I would, t- if, if I was offered a draw now, I'd probably take it. Yeah, with our home form. Yeah. But that is, of course, on Saturday. We'll get a podcast out straight away after that on the Sunday to talk about the first leg. Look ahead to the second leg, a podcast after the second leg to discuss the second leg. And hopefully, hopefully preview the final. Hopefully, hopefully. And hopefully it's a preview for Sunderland and not a Luton Congress. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's on Saturday. We'll get a podcast out on the Sunday to discuss it. But until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks. Thank you.